Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Trusted CI webinar for March 27th, 2023. I'm your host, Jeanette Dopheide. Trusted CI is the NSF Cybersecurity Center of Excellence, and these webinars are part of its mission to deliver high-quality, actionable guidance regarding cybersecurity to the NSF community. More information about Trusted CI can be found at trustedci.org. Today's topic is Internet 2 Routing Integrity Initiative with Steve Wallace. Steve is Director of Routing Integrity at Internet 2 amongst other things, many, year, uh, many years of experience with Internet 2. I believe he installed the first network for Internet 2, if I recall correctly. Um, before we begin, I have a few items to note. First, this presentation is being recorded. Second, participants are welcome to ask questions during the session using the chat box. Uh, just click on the chat and icon and the box will pop up. And, um, and we also are planning on having time at the end for questions as well. And with that, I'll hand things over to Steve. Steve, welcome. Thank you very much, Jenton. Thanks everybody for coming. Um, I will share my slides. And just give me a second to put um, the chat where I can see it. Cool. Uh, again, thanks for coming. My name is Steve Wallace and I'm Internet 2's Director of the Routing Integrity Initiative. Um, my email address is simple, ssw at internet2.edu. If you have questions, that you think about after this presentation, don't hesitate to uh, send me an email. So, uh, you know, the, the elevator pitch for the routing integrity initiative is, it aims to ensure packets arrive at their destination with no detours, no delays and no outages. So routing integrity um, overlaps with routing security quite a bit and it, uh, ultimately, we want to make sure that the, the network itself is forwarding packets correctly. There is a network effect for those that align with routing integrity. Um, uh, for routing integrity to work well for all, the community has to adopt these practices. And the more of the community adopts these practices, the better the resilience and the reliability of the network for everyone else. So a bit of the scope, um, the internet to connected community consists of over a thousand networks. If you measure networks by autonomous systems and about 2,400 uh, IP allocations. So groups of IP networks. Um, Internet, according to uh, AS rank uh, from CADA, uh, Internet 2 is about the 53rd most connected network in the world. So it's a pretty big network, even though it's limited in scope to research and education. Uh, the Internet 2 connected organizations include 350 primary network participants, CSER universities, research centers, and industry affiliates, and then really tens of thousands of um, what are called sponsored participants. And these range from K through 12 libraries, research hospitals, local and state government, government facilities. Internet 2 reaches these organizations via uh, 37 Internet 2 connectors. Internet 2 connectors are typically um, state based networks that are set up for research and education in, in maybe other communities like uh, hospitals or government. Um, 
So these state or regional networks actually connect institutions directly, and then they can connect to Internet 2, and Internet 2 provides the interconnection among those networks. So what is routing integrity? Well, it is a number of things. Um, it includes routing securities defined by the mutually agreed upon norms for routing security. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Manners, I encourage you to visit the manners.org website. And Manners um, prescribes a number of practices, they call them actions, uh, that are relatively straightforward to do that improve your network's routing security. In other words, improve the likelihood that packets are going to flow the right way. And that helps not just the network that implements those actions, but also the rest of the community. So in addition to the routing security as defined by manners, routing integrity from our perspective also includes hardening of network devices. And an example might be multi-factor authentication implemented uh, for, required for uh, uh, altering the configuration of network devices, regular review of things like firmware and logging, so the kinds of things you would do to, to keep tabs on your own network and prevent it from being um, misconfigured, um, detection and mitigation of DDoS attacks. So the, uh, the Manners doesn't really address those. There are things that you do in Manners that reduce the likelihood that you would be an unwilling participant in a DDoS attack. But in addition, we think it's important for folks to be able to detect and mitigate those attacks. Uh, resilient cloud connectivity. Um, we see a number of institutions, either in part or in whole, moving workloads to the cloud. And in some cases, these institutions use uh, relatively sophisticated cloud connect options. So for example, many use Internet 2's Cloud Connect service uh, to provide that connectivity. And in the past, um, it was the case that all of uh, an institution's internet providers could sort of back each other up. So if you had a problem with one provider, another provider would, would give you a viable path to a destination. When you start using more sophisticated cloud connectivity, uh, that may no longer be the case. In other words, you might not be in a situation where any internet connection is going to ensure, to ensure that your workloads are connected to your campus, for example. And so ensuring that people take a look at this if they have special cloud connectivity is part of the initiative. Um, we're also uh, starting to, to look at routing intentions being consistent with implementation. What do I mean by this? So uh, networks may prefer particular paths. So for example, uh, typically networks that are that, that have a path to a destination that goes over a research and education network where there's likely to be more capacity and, and uh, uh, less delay may prefer that their traffic goes, goes in that direction. And um, if you have multiple options for picking the path, uh, sort of ensuring that what you want to do is in fact what is implemented in your routers uh, we're looking at as being part of uh, the routing integrity initiative. And 
in, in, in addition, the last item on this list is IPv6 deployment. So the, um, the deployment of IPv6 in the internet to community uh, lags somewhat from the commercial world. And we see this as more and more important for a number of reasons. And so does, um, uh, you know, it's called out in the national security strategy uh, that this is, an, this is an important element. You know, IPv6 ensures that you can have native end-to-end connectivity. Um, if you are, if you look at traffic today over the internet, um, much of the traffic is v6 today. Uh, if you look at a particular campus that deploys v6, um, it's common to see 50, 60%, maybe even greater connectivity to the outside world is v6. So for example, uh, my connection to Zoom right now is likely v6. Certainly my connection to YouTube and Google and those services are all v6. And v6 ensures that your traffic isn't going through devices that could um, degrade those paths. And those devices are exist to sort of preserve uh, the uh, use of IPv4 addresses because we've essentially run out of those addresses. So some of our activities in, in the Routing Integrity Initiative, um, part of its measurement and reporting, we generate uh, what are called route reports and I'll, I'll go over those in a bit. Uh, we offer a Routing Integrity Assessment Service and I'll show you what the assessment instrument looks like and, and uh, invite any anyone to to request an assessment we're looking at routing intentions and and we do we're starting to do some visualization to better understand routing intentions and i'll show you some of that we do um some workshops and office hours uh we work with other nrens around the world to uh ensure that we're promoting these these uh practices um and ongoing, we promote the benefits of routing integrity, and we work with stakeholders. Uh, one of them, the stakeholder, important stakeholders for organizations within the U.S. is the American Registry for Internet Numbers, and I'll talk about some of the work we're doing with them. And then lastly, we try to adopt the best practices for the Internet to infrastructure. Okay, the Internet to Route Reports, new and improved. Uh, many of you who heard me speak before are probably tired of hearing about these, but they are different now. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to stop my sharing and share a different window. Let me blow this up a little bit. So we produce reports about on a weekly basis. They're distributed in the form of spreadsheets and they are published via GitHub. And there is a spreadsheet for every internet to connector. This particular spreadsheet is for the Great Plains Network. Um, they're an internet to connector. Oh, thanks for putting the link in to the, to the route reports. Um, and these reports show, among other things, 
every route that's announced internet to by that connector. And then they um, provide additional information about those routes that are sent to an internet to connect or that are received from an internet to connector. So just to give you some examples, so, so the connectors in this case is GPN, Great Plains Network. And they uh, announce an AS set. And so this is part of the routing security practices is that they publish um, an object in an internet routing registry that lists all of the autonomous systems that they source addresses from. So this is a way of telling other networks what address or what routes you should expect from them. So in the report, um, for each route, it shows whether that route is within that AS set. That AS set, when you use an AS set to express the set of autonomous systems that could source a route, that set of autonomous systems is called an AS cone. So uh, in this case, you know, virtually all of their routes are green in the AS cone column, meaning that what they publicized is the list of potential sources of routes. This route's actually within that set. We also look at other things in the inter internet routing registries, whether uh, the route object that matches the route, ensuring that its origin is in fact consistent with the origin in the, and again, the published policy for what should be the origin. And again, whether there is a route object for that prefix. Um, so this is helpful for our connectors. It gives them sort of a, an easy way to identify routes that they may be sending to internet to that um, have some inconsistencies in their published policy. We also look at um, the RPKI uh, ROA and whether it's consistent with that route. RPKI is a, uh, a technology to allow the owner of a network to specify what origin AS that network should appear as. And uh, unknown means there's no record for that. And valid means there is a record and the route conforms to that record. Uh, it would say invalid and be flagged as red if there was a record and the route didn't conform to that record. Um, I'm gonna talk about this in a bit more, but creating these records is a little more difficult than filling out a web form. You have to do one more step in addition to filling out a pretty simple web form. And in terms of the effort and the benefit of doing this, there's nothing else I'm aware of in terms of internet routing that, that is comparable. So it's very easy to create these records. They provide some significant protection against accidental uh, misconfigurations in the internet or purposeful route hijack efforts to protect these networks. Um, so it's really easy to do. If you have an agreement with Aaron for your IP numbers, it's a free service they offer. And 40% of the global internet routes use this method to protect 
those routes. And that percentage has been growing rapidly. But unfortunately, in our community, it's around 7% of our routes. So it's a feature that is powerful, easy to use, and uh, we're a little bit behind in, in terms of using it. Um, some of the other things this report provides that are relatively new features is it sh shows routes that are rejected by Internet, too. So we, we hear this route from GPN, but uh, based on our policy, we're rejecting this route. And that can be, uh, in this case, it's, it's probably the case that uh, when this report was run, GPN had not asked us to accept uh, that route. And so we didn't understand it was their intention for us to accept that route. And the way the Internet 2 network operates is we have filters that only permit networks where we understand that the connector wants us to accept those networks. So these reports are pretty useful to find out how your uh, routes look, um, if there are things missing, if they're being rejected. Um, uh, so these are, are pretty useful. Uh, we also show an, another new feature is the cyan colored routes. So routes that we actually don't hear from the connector, but we see in the global internet. So one of the things we do is for each autonomous system sending us routes, we also look in the global internet to see if there are any routes that are seen there, but really aren't seen here. And in some cases, uh, this may alert a connector that they actually want to send us some routes that they aren't sending us. So I'm going to pause for a second and see if people have questions so far. No questions yet, but I'll ping you if anything comes up. Cool. All right. So uh, these route reports are uh, Internet 2 kind of operates two separate networks. One is we call the research and education uh, network or sort of Internet 2 Classic. And then the other is the I2PX network. And we the, the each route report has two tabs, uh, one for each network. The I2PX network is the uh, uh, network that provides high-speed access to um, commercial services like uh, Amazon, AWS, or Google, Google's uh, compute services, or Oracle, those kinds of things. And it's the case that um, it's critically important for that uh, routes that are sent to this network, that they have these items. In other words, that it's critically important that these networks publish the intent of their routes so that those routes are accepted by Google and Amazon. Okay, question. How common is the use of AS sets in Internet 2? And is RPKI compatible with AS sets? So good question. So um, Internet 2 itself doesn't require an AS set. However, other networks that connect Internet 2 do. So for example, Google requires that Internet 2 have an AS set that will list all the ASs that they would see from their Internet 2 connection. 
And Internet 2 asks that all the connectors publish their AS sets for all the ASs that they would expect to send to Internet 2. So how does this work? So in this case, GPN has this AS set. This is literally the name of the AS set, AS-40518-INET. Um, Internet 2 takes all of these separate AS sets from our community connections, and we create an AS set that contains all of those AS sets. So an AS set can contain as its members an AS number or another a the name of another AS set. So Internet 2 creates an AS set that includes the names of all the AS sets our members publish, and we make that available to other networks that we peer with, like Google. So Google looks at our AS set, and they, one of the elements they'll see is this AS set from GPN, and they'll put in their whitelist of uh, networks to accept those that come from those ASs. Um, RPKI ROAs are an independent mechanism to um, sort of uh, assert information that a network can use to determine whether the network is valid or not, and they're they're completely compatible. Uh, they don't interfere with one another. Well, let's see. We have a question above. Um, um, what what are the analytics uh, planning oh, to it. do with these analysts, analysts, excuse me, planning to do with these routes confirmations? I am thinking of assessing resiliency and security, but would like to hear your opinion. Um, so, so these reports are a tool used by the community to ensure that they're publishing the right information about their intentions for the routes, as well as they understand what routes they're sending and what routes might be rejected from internet too. Um, so it's a tool for uh, a regional network in the community to, to check on the set of routes and hopefully that the, the color codings will alert them to ish potential issues so they can fix them. Um, there's another tool that we're working on, and I'm gonna show you a preview of it that provides sort of another angle on how to better understand these. Hopefully, um, so you asked about resiliency and security. So for example, if uh, GPN intended for internet to, to accept a route that we're rejecting and they want us to accept that route. Maybe it's a route we accept from another connector and this will help with the visualization tool. Maybe this, this, this route we also accept somewhere else and we don't know we're supposed to announce it from GPN, but maybe we're receiving it from GPN because GPN is trying to uh, provide resilient connectivity to that institution. So this would alert GPN to let internet to know, hey, I know you're getting this route from someone else, but I want you to accept it for me as well, um, because the intention here is to provide resiliency. So that would be one example. Uh, another example would be, you notice uh, this route says not Naeus Cone. That means that this route's origin uh, 
is not in the set of autonomous systems that are part of their AS cone, and the risk would be that another network wouldn't accept that route um, because they would look at uh, Internet 2's policy, publish policy. Here are the networks you should expect from us. And again, that's a list of the AS sets from our members. And if one of our members didn't include an AS for one of their routes, that other network might not accept that route. And that is because they're using this information to enforce their routing integrity. So they're ensuring that they don't accept routes they shouldn't because they're looking at the published policies for these routes. So hopefully that that's helpful. Okay, so I'm gonna uh, move on. I'm gonna stop sharing this. Get back to the slides. Okay, so we're gonna review the routing and uh, integrity assessment. Uh, real quick, Steve, yep. uh, we've got a question about understanding the different colors that are used in the spreadsheet. And is there like a an index or a, a legend to help with that? So we're working on that. So we're in the process right now of refactoring the reports. So the reports started off as a tool to help a community project a couple years ago, and they kind of grew and grew and grew in, in terms of the features that they had. And we're now refactoring them or completely rewriting them. Uh, today, they run on my laptop at home. Um, and the new version is going to run in uh, uh, GitLab um, in more of a production environment. Um, and so we've been a little behind on documenting things. But the, the in addition to that difficulty, the, the cyan color is, is the hardest one to describe. So generally speaking, red means something bad in the reports. And if it's not red, it's probably okay. And the cyan is um, a piece of information that may, may not be useful or it may be useful uh, to a connector. So it's, it's not clear if it means something bad or it doesn't mean anything at all. And that's why it's colored cyan and not red or not you know white, uh, black and white. Um, cyan is a hint. Um, it says we're seeing routes from this autonomous system, but we're not seeing all of them. And I'll give you, without mentioning names, I'll give you an example where this helped a connector. So we had a connector that um, where, where there were some cyan routes. And if you looked, it was for a university. Those, those routes related to a university that they provided internet to service to. And what was happening was that university was sending that regional network, the routes for the residence halls, but they weren't sending them for the main campus. And so we were getting residence hall routes from, a, from their autonomous system number. But when we looked at the global internet, there were other routes that we saw. And so we included those in the report and they were able to use that information and go, oh, that's, you know, they're not sending this those routes, so we can't send them on to internet too, and those are the routes they probably want to send to us. Uh, so they were able to work with that campus and, and figure out why that wasn't happening. So um, 
yes, the documentation, uh, the documentation is, is never easy. And, and the, the cyan uh, uh, is the, is the most, most challenging one to explain. The, and, and when I show you another modeling tool, that gets worse. <laughs> I look forward to it. So let me show you the assessment. Let's see if I can find it. Sorry. Um, you move things around a little bit right before the call. And here we go. Sorry about that. Let me make it a little bit bigger. So Internet2 offers a routing integrity assessment service. And this is pretty straightforward. Um, we have an, an assessment instrument. And the idea is it um, is a control matrix. And uh, a network operator can fill this out. And uh, they'll get a sense of what areas uh, of routing integrity that they there might be some um, uh, opportunity for improvement or areas where they've already um, pretty much provided the kinds of capabilities they that generally they should. Um, and we originally created this tool to provide um, information for those who could determine priorities and, and identify resources for these organizations to improve their situation. So uh, the, the assessment instrument can, you can, you're welcome to have a copy of it. It's just, it's a Google doc that's readable by anyone and you can use it on your own. Or if you like, um, you could schedule a webinar with internet too. There's no fee. Uh, and in the past, we've done groups of people at the same time. So the way this has worked in the past is, is uh, a regional network will want to offer this to their members. And they'll get a list of their members ahead of time that want to participate. And we'll create a copy of this for each member participating. And we'll, during the webinar, go through each of the items in provide information on how to fill it out. We'll ask them to, to do, to, to answer at least a short question about the item during the webinar. And they don't, no one sees each other's work. Um, and then we'll give them about a week to fill in more details that they'd like for the assessment. And then we'll turn the assessments into read only. So now they have an assessment. There's a heat map tab that kind of shows them the areas where they're strong or maybe they're areas where there's opportunity for improvement. Um, and then they have a snapshot that's available to them and they could use that to go to their CIO, for example, and say, okay, here, here are areas we'd like to improve. Maybe we need additional resources or we need to prioritize things to improve in those areas. Internet too looks at the information and tries to better understand what gaps are common in the community and where there would be benefit from Internet2 um, providing uh, more resources. So for example, 
one of the questions in this list is, uh, do you require multi-factor authentication for uh, configuring your network here? And virtually everyone who's filled this out has said, no, don't do that yet. And so that's an opportunity. We haven't done this yet and we need to, but that's an opportunity for internet too, to reach out to networks that have done that and try and coordinate some sharing of information on different approaches to accomplish that. Um, the assessment also identifies the items required to be a manners participant. So if you go to manners.org, there's actually a list of uh, networks and network operators that um, join manners as a participant. There's not a fee for that currently. I don't know if there will be in the future. Um, it gives you access to a tool that's sort of similar to the route reports. Um, and it also ensures that um, you agree to implement certain actions that uh, make the internet more resilient. And you also agree that if there's a global routing incident and you were part of that incident, that you'll be transparent in, in describing what happened so that others can learn from it. So Internet2 is a member. There are a large number of research and education networks in the US that are members. And one of the parts of this instrument is it flags those items which are required to be a participant. So it, it also provides you a score, basically tell you how close you are, or what things you would need to do to be a manners participant. So any questions about the about the assessment instrument or the service? If any of you are interested in doing this, just send me an email. Um, we also have a role email, manners at internet2.edu that gets to me. Okay, I'm gonna stop sharing this and go back to the to the slide deck. Oh, here's another thing we're gonna I'll show you that that I'm actually kind of excited about. So I I mentioned that the that we have a visualization tool that we're working on, and I'm gonna show you an example of it. Here we go. All right, I'm gonna zoom in in a minute. I, I, I can't even read it. Um, so we take information we receive from those that connect to the Internet 2 network. And then, and, and one of the, the nice things is we're taking all the information we receive. So normally if you just got a BGP, BGP feed from a network like Internet 2, you would see information about the best paths within the network. You would not see all of the paths within the network, but the information we're collecting and then, and then using to develop this visualization is using all those paths. We're also using information uh, related to the routes we have that we see in the global internet. So this is a 
picture of three networks that connect the internet to. Um, there's the Great Plains Network, there's Northern Lights, and there's Learn. Oh, thanks, Andrew, for filling in the information on uh, uh, manners. So three networks that connected the internet to network. And this graph supports, shows a couple of things. First of all, for each of the networks, it shows which pops they're connected to internet to through. So you see Northern Lights is Chicago, Kansas City, and Minneapolis. You see GPN is Tulsa, and let me see here, it's also connected to Chicago and Kansas here. And you see Learn is connected through Dallas and Houston. So I put these three networks up here because there's some interesting relationships when, between these networks. So you see these boxes are autonomous systems. So these are networks essentially here. And you see a number of them connect both to GPN and to Learn. And that's because they do. So GPN and Learn interconnect and they share some routes. And these here are the ones that they're sharing. So we can see more easily, okay, what routes are being backed up by GPN and Learn? If you, if you hover over them in this tool, it tells you the name of the uh, network, so City of Tulsa. So T City of Tulsa is connected to GPN, but GPN connects to Learn, and they announce the City of Tulsa's network to Learn, and Learn then announces that back to Internet, too. So these networks are backed up. So, you know, GPN has several connections to Internet, too, but they also back up some of their traffic through Learn. Um, same as the case for Northern Lights. We go down to Northern Lights. So here's one of the Northern Lights networks here. And these networks around here are connected to both Northern Lights and GPN. So you notice that some of the networks are green and some of them are light blue. And oops, and the green networks are networks that announce v6 addresses and v4 and the light blue ones are the ones that are only v4 so we can also look in this and see you know what what is the diffusion of ipv6 among the networks in these three connectors and it's about average for internet 2 as a whole it's not it's not where we'd like it to be at all um then we have um Another color, so, so Mayo is connected through Northern Lights. And um, we have this other color, this, this uh, sort of uh, almost a pinkish color here. And these are actual IP network ranges that are in this color. And what this color depicts is Networks, these are these are ranges of addresses that we would see routes for within the Internet 2 network, but we're seeing a more specific route in the commodity network. So these are addresses that because there's a more specific route in the commodity network, 
Traffic would not take internet two to get to those addresses. So the range of IP addresses represented by each of these routes would be forced to take the commodity route, not internet two, to get to Mayo. Now, this gets back to routing intentions. Is that really what Mayo wants and why is this happening? Well, it turns out that um, in the case of Mayo, because we've looked into it, um, Mayo has uh, an always-on scrubbing service, an always-on DDoS scrubbing service that announces those more specifics out to the global internet um, to provide continuous DDoS protection for Mayo. But you know, we could have a conversation with Mayo and and say maybe you want to announce as specifics to Internet Two because the attack service of Internet Two is far less than the global Internet, um, and retain the advantage of the capacity and the low latency of the Internet Two connection for these subnets within your network, um, while still keeping your always on DDoS scrubbing service. So. Um, it's easier for us to identify cases like that in this graph, uh, sort of a, to get a bigger picture of the network. We've produced some of these graphs with different attributes for the entire network at one time. And um, that's a bit much to try and figure out what's going on. And so we're currently working on, well, how do we, how do we build useful regional snapshots or how do we build snapshots of the entire network that are depicting very specific things so that we can better understand them. Um, so this is a, a relatively new work that we're doing. I imagine that um, sometime this year, in addition to the route reports that a connector would have, they would have the ability to uh, define a model like the one we're seeing with the things they're interested in, and we would generate it on the fly and, and give it to them. So I think that, for example, if, if GPN was interested in, in making sure it understood how it interconnects with Learn and Northern Lights, they'd be able to go into a simple user interface and say, produce you know, just that piece of the network and also highlight these aspects in, and get something back like this. So that's something we're working on today. Any questions about this or anything so far? Okay, I will move on. And uh, okay, closing the error and agreement gap. So 45% of the IP network assignments to organizations that interconnect over internet too. So those in our community don't have an agreement with Aaron. They received their IP numbers before Aaron existed. And while Aaron provides certain services without the agreement, they provide basic who is services saying who, who holds that IP those IP numbers. Um, there are a set of services that Aaron doesn't offer without the agreement. And the set of services has grown a lot recently and they become much more important. So one of the, I mentioned before, the biggest bang for the effort for routing security, security is to create 
an RPKI ROA that basically says for my IP numbers, they have to come from my network or they're invalid. And that takes filling out a form that has four fields on it and just a little bit more work than that to create this record. You don't have to change anything in your network. You don't have to configure your equipment for this. It's literally just filling out a form on the Aaron website. You can't do that without an agreement with Aaron. And all of these addresses that don't currently have agreements are legacy addresses. And the fee to get the agreement is really low. So the fee currently, no matter how many of these addresses you have, is $175 a year. And it can go up $25 a year. Um, those are special fees for these legacy addresses. Those legacy fees go away after the end of this year. And um, that's a huge change. You pay, you're paying the same fees commercial ISPs pay after this year. And those fees are typically 20 to 40 times higher than the legacy fees that you can lock in now. So uh, for the entire Internet 2 community, the difference in fees, locking them in now versus not, is over $2 million a year. So it's a huge difference in fees. Plus, if you have the agreement, you can do this super easy to do thing to better protect your networks. Um, Aaron has removed uh, some of the language from the agreement that used to be a showstopper for some. And they've also um, uh, given better advice on how to make certain change requests to the agreement. So if there are any Internet 2 connectors or regional networks on this call, if you send me an email, I will send you a list of all the networks within, of your members that don't have an Aaron agreement and the fee differences for each one of them uh, if they get an agreement now versus after this year. So sort of in general, looking at the progress we've made in this initiative over the last couple of years, um, really have to thank Google. So Google connects to Internet too. And fairly early on, a few years ago, Google said, if uh, we, see, we receive routes from Internet 2 where the routing policy isn't published correctly, we're going to reject them. And Internet 2 looked and we go, oh, my, that means you probably are going to reject 50% of the routes. So when we looked at throughout the community, and that was sort of the beginning of the route reports, we saw that roughly 50% of the community's routes did not correctly publish their routing policy. And so um, we were able to use the message uh, that, you know, one of the benefits of doing this, and this is just a record of database that you need to maintain, one of the benefits of doing this is that you'll continue to use networks, a high-speed network like Internet 2 to access Google and Hurricane Electric and other networks. Uh, and so 
we started producing these route reports um, to help those organizations see what they needed to, to uh, do to be compliant. And we made a whole lot of progress uh, because of that. Um, adoption of RPKI ROAs. Again, this is just the this is like the, the network security easy button. It's easy to do. It's free for many who already have the agreement. And it's very, I mean, it's free once you have the agreement. And the agreement, if you get it now, is 175 a year. Um, it now is actually, the slide's a little old. It's probably around 8%. And it was just a couple of percent when we started this effort. Um, the Internet 2 network now supports route origin validation. So you create these records, these RPKI ROAs that say how to tell a network how to tell if it's a valid copy of this route or not. And uh, recently, Internet 2 changed its routing configuration to look at that information and to drop routes where uh, that information indicated that that was not a valid route. And so we're now um, uh, uh, doing something that other networks do as well. Many of the tier one ISPs do this, is they, we use that information to uh, essentially remove invalid routes from our routing table. Uh, we've, we've been working with Aaron. Uh, uh, we have a, a, our community in general has a much better working relationship with Aaron and, and uh, reduce some of the barriers for these agreements to be put in place. And we see a lot more networks that are now managed participants. So that's a good thing. Here's the, we maintain a, a map. This one's current as of March. These are the organizations that are network operators and managers participants. Uh, challenges ahead. Uh, get, getting more people to create ROAs. That's a big one. Um, uh, we need to curate better resources, better educational resources for best practices for BGP router configuration. Um, at the upcoming uh, community exchange, one of the one of the half-day tutorials is on BGP router configuration. Um, need to make the assessment service uh, more accessible. Um, and uh, we're, we're starting to uh, develop these visualization tools that we hope will be useful. So that's my prepared stuff. I'm happy to, uh, to take questions. Okay, well, while people are thinking that over, I'm going to share my screen and go over some community updates. Okay, so um, our next webinar will be scheduled um, for April 24th at, at 10 a.m. Central, um, 11 Eastern. The topic is access services and support. Access is the Advanced Cyber Infrastructure Coordination Ecosystem. And our presenter will be Derek Simmel from uh, Pittsburgh Supercomputing Center. Uh, we have a couple of uh, pretty big events coming up that you should be on the lookout for. Um, first of all, we've got Educause Cybersecurity Privacy Professionals Conference. That's 
um, in May in Bellevue. If you haven't registered, I think you need to hurry up and, and get that done. I think the CFP just closed. So if you're wanting to attend, maybe go there and check out what, what um, events they have uh, scheduled in the agenda so far. Then we've got the NSF Research Infrastructure Workshop. That's in June um, in Washington, DC. They have finally announced that the location. So to find out more, um, um, you can go. You can go to the NSF website. Then we've got Educause at the annual conference. That's um, October 9th through 12th, and that will be in Chicago, Illinois. That conference, I believe, is a hybrid event. So if you are interested in attending in person, you should look into that in more detail. And then finally, we have our trusted CI. NSF Cybersecurity Summit, we've announced our save the date. That will be October 24th through 26th. There may be events. We are looking into scheduling events before and after. So we advise people to uh, hold on to the whole week uh, if they'd like to, to attend more than just uh, the, the scheduled workshops in the plenary. And that will be in Berkeley, California, but that is also going to be a hybrid event. And I will go ahead and stop sharing so I can see the comments. Um, okay. So we don't have any other questions so far. Do you want to mention anything else, Steve, before we wrap things up? Um, again, if you have questions later, just send me an email. And uh, if you're interested in finding out if you, uh, if your organization or if the organizations that are associated with your regional network uh, don't have errant agreements and what the potential savings would be to lock them in now, um, I can uh, easily uh, provide that information. Great, thank you very much. Well, with that, I wanna thank everybody for attending and thank you so much, Steve, for presenting. We will be sharing this video probably later today on our website. So if any of you are interested in sharing it with colleagues, uh, please be on the lookout for that. Um, oh, Steve, could you repeat your email? It was SSW, I think. Yep, I'll put it in the chat. Um... Yeah. There we go, SSW at internet2.edu. All right, great. And uh, with that, I will end the meeting. Um, that will kick everybody out of the room. So I hope you all have a great day and uh, look forward to seeing you next month. Bye, Steve. Thank you.